Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTGA podcast. Hope you're all feeling fresh and well and well rested this morning, like my guests Rory O'Neill, Oshie McConville, and Marty Morrissey. How are we doing, lads? Mike, how's it going, everybody? Yeah, yeah. Rory looks particularly sharp there. I think it must be the phone camera or the <laughs> or the or the good night's sleep he got. Um, great to have you, lads. We've got four football matches to look ahead to. Uh, Tipperary versus Limerick in the Munster semi-final. Uh, Monaghan v Derry in the Ulster semi-final, which I would say is the pick of the bunch, and then the Leinster semi-finals, Kildare v Westmeath and Dublin v Meath, played out in front of a packed Croke Park, no doubt. Um, so, but before we get to that, um, I was interested by a piece uh, Connor Neville wrote on the RT website last night about kind of based the jumping off point was Sean Kavanagh annoying Cork fans by suggesting that. Cork didn't want to play Kerry and Killarney because of the wide open spaces of Killarney, when in fact the pitch in Parky Ring is bigger than the pitch in Fitzgerald Stadium. And this comes up every now and again. And Oshin, I was just wondering, uh, as a player, were there certain grounds that you considered tight? And I want to find out whether you're right or wrong. Or it, 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 This seems to be a perception, and sometimes it's built from if the stands are close to the pitch, people think a pitch is small, when actually the pitch might be bigger than a pitch where... The stadium seems a little less claustrophobic. It didn't matter any time we ever said if the pitch is tight. Somebody was always able to tell us it was the exact same dimensions as Crow Park. So <laughs> I was always, I was always very, very skeptical in some uh, pitches. But I th- I'm thinking uh, we played in Longford a few times. Uh, I would say that it was tight. I'd say the Athletic Grounds is tight. Um, I'd say that the pitches that I, I like playing in were like Clonus, Casement Park. Um, we think where else? Port Leash, um, Parnell Park always felt long, but it felt quite tight still. Um, off the top of my head, where else? Um, uh, pa- pa- Parnell Park isn't particularly long, actually. It's 141 metres long, and the pitch is allowed to be 145 metres long. So it's longer than some, certainly longer. You are right there now on Longford, 138 metres long. So it's actually quite a short pitch, but it's 88 metres wide, which is almost as wide as the pitch can be. The only pitches that are as big as a pitch can be, which is 145 long and 90 metres wide, are Semple Stadium, Pierce Stadium, Marty's Back Garden, Cusick Park, Dr. Hyde Park, O'Connor Park, Bally and Bally Buffet. They're the they're the biggest pitches in the country. Well, intercounty Doc, county grounds. Uh, hey, Doctor Hay Park. That surprised me. Yeah, that surprises that always, everybody. Uh, yeah. That always almost always felt like a quite a small pitch to me. Maybe it was the graveyard close by. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but, a lot of, but a lot of the time, these might just be the standard dimensions. Like that doesn't necessarily mean a manager on the week of a game might turn around to the groundsman and say, you yeah. know, when you're li- when you're lining it this week, Paddy. You know, make sure you line a, a meter in on e, on on either side. Was our friend Kevin McStay known for doing that on occasion? I'd imagine every manager is probably <laughs> going to try it at some point. Anyway, given the fact that they have the power to do it, particularly in a home venue. Mm. 
Marty, from your, your, your bird's eye view, are there any grounds that you that would surprise you to know that they're big or any that you kind of tend to think are small? Well, you surprised me to tell me the Parky Rin is bigger than uh, Fitzgerald Stadium Killarney because I'd have thought the opposite, you know. Mm. Um, but that having been said, I mean, I was, I, I mean, our home pitch would have been Cusick Park in Ennis. And that's, you know, that's where we trained and practiced on the idea that we would play one day in Croke Park. Of course, it never, ever happened. But um, yeah, I, remember, I think it was Kevin. There were a couple of managers that brought in the sideline a bit to make it a little bit tighter, which I can't remember who they were again. But it was it was it was part of, of a conversation, I remember, and a debate on the Sunday game many years ago. Mickey, about, Mickey Hart. Huh? Mickey, it was Mickey Hart was accused of it, wasn't he? Well he oh he was. Yeah, he was, yeah, I remember oh, that, yeah. Yeah. And and in Ballyville Fair last week, there's a lot more room between uh do you know the side where the where the commentary box is? Mm. There's a lot more room between the side lane and the wall on that side than there is on the that other is true, side. Actually. A lot more a lot more room than there ever has yeah. been. So yeah. Ah, there you go. And the smallest county ground in the country that we know of, anybody want to hazard a guess? Parnell. No, Parnell. No. Park. no, it's it's somewhere where the home county were very insistent on playing there a few years ago. Newbridge, indeed, hundred and thirty-five meters long and only eighty wide. So Just Newbridge, and, and it feels tight. It feels <laughs> tight. Yeah. And so, if they wanted to, uh, as they they do talk about renovating it, there's no room behind the the stands. There's certainly no room in front of the stands either. No. So <laughs> Newbridge ain't getting much bigger than it is. Anyway, that was just a little uh, a little side note I wanted to, to touch on. W- worth a read that piece. I think it's quite interesting. Um, I think we'll we'll, we'll start above in um, in the the possibly claustrophobic surrounds of the athletic grounds. Um, Oshin for the uh, Ulster semi final between Monaghan and Derry, which I think is is an intriguing, like very intriguing match now. I think because you've kind of got you've got two very smart managers uh, who definitely have their teams the way they want them but also just from the sideline point of view just two managers who are probably expend more energy than a lot of their cornerbacks do so i think that the, the there should almost be someone suggested there should be a sideline camera here for just the antics on the sideline but aside from that kind of sideshow um there's a sense that like rory gallagher has a team that you know kind of fit for whatever faces them and monaghan are just a team who just always seem to kind of know how to face the opponent they're up against. So it, it could be quite tactical, which people sometimes complain about in Ulster, but to me, it just seems like it's going to be a fascinating matchup. Yeah, they, and that's it. They, they match up pretty much, you know, lake for lake. Um, like to play in a similar vein. Uh, if, if I was to say um, on what I've seen recently is that there definitely is... Um, a little bit of a change in the way Derry like to leave the the center of the field um, unoccupied and get uh, quick runners from the from the half back line. I mean, I thought the half back line was the best line to pitch the last day. Um, inside, um, inside they're good without having a huge amount of pace. Um, and I think the as I say, both teams sort of match up very much like each other both teams like to play against the set defense they don't mind that in fact like i've seen i've seen monaghan breaking out of defense on numerous occasions 
and holding the ball up deliberately <laughs> so that they can get out of set defence. And it seems wild. It seems seems incredible that a team would do that. But they're just very comfortable in that surroundings. And I think when they score against a set defence, then that means their own defence is a lot more organised. Um, I think it gives them the opportunity to press the kick out, which they have decided that they like to do now. Um, and I think uh, the, surpri- the most surprising thing for me with teams that play against Monaghan is that a lot of teams like that have decided that they want to have a go at begging and they feel as if that's the right way to go. Um, even if you look at Derry against Morgan the last day and you can't see you know, there's going to be any dramatic change in that, they give them a few um, when they look maybe a bit tired or after having... Um, you know, a, a large passage of play that was that was time for some of those forwards. But uh, I think, again, one of the decisive things is that they, they decided to press. Morgan kicked a few across the lane and they started to get a bit of energy from that. But uh, tactically, the one big thing for me that I seen from the last day was that whenever um, Derry turned the ball over, the opposition scored uh, score a kick wide the three boys in the, from the full forward line sprint from where they are in the pitch directly into as deep as they can go in that forward line and that gives space in in the middle third of the field um, where they can get runners off the shoulder and obviously he likes his midfield obviously he likes his, his half back line uh, his, two half, his two half forwards are um, very, very workmanlike, and they'll fill in for the guys who've gone forward. But um, tactically, like you know, he has changed it up, and and even like people want if people want to know why Derry didn't get promoted from Division Two, I think one of the reasons is that they were keeping a bit of stuff locked away for that throne game. The big challenge for Derry now is that you know it's the biggest challenge in sport for me is that can you get yourself back up to a nine or a nine and a half out of ten again? And, uh, you know, now that, that Monon have seen exactly what Derry are about, can they reinvent themselves a little bit again? Uh, or do they stick to exactly what they've, uh, what, what, um, what gives them success the last day? But it's an intriguing one for me because I think tactically, uh, as much as, as, a lot will be determined by individuals. I think tactically, this is there's some key things that have to happen in order for uh, Derry to win this match. Um, and I think the other thing is that, as I say, uh, they have to get up to the level that they were at against their own in order to beat Monaghan. Yeah, Marty, it's you know Derry. There's a bit of a buzz around them this year. Um, Monaghan are one of those teams who consistently compete at a high level with kind of people questioning how long they'll stay at that level, even though they've kind of, they've been there now, like I, I jokingly call them Gaelic football's cockroaches because they can't be relegated from division one. And that is certainly meant as a compliment, by the way. Um, But like they, they, they're not, it's not a huge population by any means. They're obviously stone mad for football, but every year, you know, every two years, somebody comes through and they're like, you know, bang, they're ready-made into county football. Like Gary Moen, obviously is the example this year. And they have a very shrewd manager. And despite all the buzz about Derry this year, it's hard to go into this match betting against Monaghan. Yeah, I'd agree. And I, I, I would go so far to say, and I know it is a long way out and it's a bit 
either stupid or brave, but I, I fancy Monaghan to actually win Ulster um, because I think they have the overall balance if the right Monaghan team appear. Because sometimes I've got excited about Monaghan in, in particularly in league, I suppose in both league and championship on, on a given day and then the following day they, they disappear. It's interesting what Ashin says about um, Rory Began because I would agree that they seem to, opposition seem to focus on him. I, as far as I can recall, since the day in Inishteen uh, when uh, Kerry got those goals, I think the whole idea of both of Niall Morgan and Rory Began coming out into the middle of the field for kickouts, I haven't seen it. Maybe it has happened, but it seems to have, there seems to have been a change of plan since that particular day. I still think, um, I think that, you know, some of the, some of the scores that Jack McCarran has produced has been excellent. I know Niall Lachlan and Shane McGregan have done well for Derry, but I just sense that Monaghan have that overall balance. They seem to have a very strong panel, uh, despite limited enough resources, and the backroom team seem to know what they're doing tactically and strategically as well. I think they'll have been well warned about Derry, and I think Derry were focused, as Oshin says, about Tyrone, and it's very hard to come up to that level Again, when you have another serious challenge facing you. So overall, mm. I'd fancy Monaghan, um, as I said, to, to, to certainly get into the Ulster final. And, and right now, I feel, if the right Monaghan team appear on the day, that they could actually win Ulster. Mm. Rory, what, what do you think? Because there could be a touch of after the Lord Mayor's show here for, for, for Derry, but at the same time, like, you know, like Rory Gallagher, he just seems to put so much into it and really sees this as like a project that's coming to fruition. So you'd imagine he had a plan for Tyrone and now he has a plan for Monaghan. So it's just a matter of kind of physically and psychologically keeping the players fresh for that. Mm. And I was looking, yeah, and I think I'd agree. And I think um, I was looking there as well, Mikey, that um, it's a first championship meeting between the two teams since 2009. It's like, what's that, 13 years? Now, by and large, I mean, Oshin is obviously much better placed than I to uh, venture forth an opinion on this. But Ulster teams kind of generally like to have a beef with each other. Um, like they, they haven't run into each other in league or championship for a very long time because obviously Derry have been frittering around the lower le- the lower leagues and are finally making their way back up. And Monaghan have been a consistent Division One team. So there's no history there. There's nothing really to draw on in terms of a pattern or something that we can kind of look at of a recent vintage where the two teams have crossed paths unless they've obviously met in a McKenna Cup somewhere down along the line. So it's it's it's... It, you mentioned the very start, it's a curious game to try and kind of figure out because there's nothing there to kind of go on to give you any indication or inclination of what actually might happen. So the best you can do really, I suppose, in drawing any conclusion on it is look at the two teams themselves in their own particular form. And I think given Monaghan's display the last day where I actually didn't think they played all that well and still gave down a terrible pounding. So... The Hughes brothers, they're just, you know, I mean, they just keep going and going. What servants? I mean, unbelievable. Darren, I think, is nearly playing as well as he ever is. And what age is he now? Oh, I'd say he must be 35, is he? 
is 34, is that right? Yeah, I mean, like, just unbelievable. Like, the way, though, again, and I mean, look, this might sound slightly patronising. It isn't, because they're, as far as I can see, they're the only county that seems to be able to keep lads going and keep lads involved and have them playing at the top level and contributing right up to getting a max out of right up of everything. So I agree with Marty. I I think, look, that, that you know, one swallow won't make a summer for Derry. Obviously, if they get beaten by um, Manhin on Sunday, that'll be a big kick in the ghoulies for them. But I just Manahan just impressed me more. Uh, and I've like, and you just you could never back against them, you know. I think they'll and I think they'll beat Derry. I will back against them because I have to stick with my tip for the Ulster yeah, Championship, yeah. which is Derry. <laughs> but uh, don't laugh, Marty. They sure. wonder for. I like your courage. Well yeah, done. Yeah, I like yeah. I've, conviction. I've strengthened my convictions, Marty. Yeah, your conviction rather than your courage. So it's 2 1 in favour of Manon at the moment. What way do you see it going, Oshi? I think it going all the way. I think there's little, small things that are going to make a difference. And, and Manon even have two runouts in the Athletic Grounds this year. The one, the first one in the McKenna Cup um, against Armagh on penalties. And uh, then they obviously played Armagh in the league and they dominated for 40 minutes of the game. And then uh, Armagh got back into the game, probably luckily enough. But I think they have good memories. I think they like playing in, uh, in Armagh. And I'm going to go Monaghan on penalties. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like it. I like it. it, it I'll tell, tell, tell you just just one lad to look out for in the was unbelievable the last day um, was Connor Doherty. He scored two points mm. from wing half back. He's as powerful a wing half back as I've seen in some time. Um, and the game plan, it's almost like, and I know it's not, but it's almost like the game plan revolves around a player like that. And um, he was exceptional. He scored two points. He had a hand in probably three, four other scores. And then there's the full forward lane. Derry's full forward lane, 113 the last day, exactly the same as what Donegal's full forward lane got last week. So, um, Monaghan have their hands full defensively. And the thing about Monaghan is that as much as they score 23 points against Down, they give away two awful goals. And, uh, and that's the thing that keeps niggling away at me is that Monaghan, as much as they are so talented from um, midfield, even if you want the half back line on up, but I still think that uh, you know they can be got at defensively. So uh, I think Derry will get a couple of goals, and that might be enough just to keep them in the game. So uh, I think it's going to go all the way. All right, I'm looking forward to that. Sounds like it could be a clinker. Um, quick, a quick word then, lads, around the other three matches before before we move on to the small ball. Um, Tip v Limerick, Marty in the Munster semi final, and the the right to play Kerry, um, dubious right to play Kerry in the Munster final. But I guess for, for a lot of people here, we're looking at this through the prism of the Charlton Cup draw on um, Monday morning on Morning Ireland. Um, if Tipperary win this match, they will be in the Sam Maguire. If they lose it, they're into the Charlton Cup. Um, Limerick, obviously, through their promotion to Division 2, are, are, are guaranteed a Sam Maguire place regardless. So I guess... It, yeah, provincial semi-final shouldn't need kind of added sauce, I suppose, but that 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 does add a layer to this game. It does, and I mean, I think Limerick did very well to uh, beat Clare in in Ennis. I think, and I'm I'm not being biased, but or have the inside knowledge. But I know there's a bit of heartbreak in in Clare over losing that because having done so well in Division Two and survived it, 
they would have anticipated and expected to beat Limerick. And obviously that was historic because of um, the penalties and the shootout. Billy Lee has done a great job in Limerick, I have to say. I think this is his sixth year in charge and he keeps producing um, very valuable performances like what he did against Clare. And David Power, I think, is in his third year, I think, with Tipperary. At the end of the day, you're dead on, Mikey. This is about the Talton Cup because I don't think it matters who they, who gets to the Munster final. Kerry are going to overwhelm them. Uh, it'll be done in justice uh, at a very early stage. I just can't see Limerick and Tipperary uh, surviving in the company of Kerry. So it is about um, uh, that battle in terms of uh, Limerick, obviously, uh, uh, and Tipperary battling for a place in the Munster final and survival and being able to play in the All-Ireland Championship but also the Talton Cup is a factor there as well. Yeah. Um, Rory, you've you, you've had a bit of a, a graph for Tipperary since the league final, so obviously they've, they've got that added incentive. Do you think that could be enough for them here? Yeah, like, I think... Um, I, I just think in terms of him having to train... Like it, it's all very well and good when you're going about to rebuild a team if you're Kerry or you're Dublin. It's a lot harder to rebuild a team that... Like, let's be honest, that Tipperary team will go down in history. Like, they won the Munster Championship of 2020, you know, which is something that I know Colm Collins and Clare would, like, would be quite envious of because, you know, they're, like, look, Kerry don't give up too many of them. So I think when you're trying to rebuild a team that was quite successful, they had managed to reach one, certainly one All-Ireland semi for two All-Ireland semifinals in their time. They, you know, they gave Mayo a game on one of those occasions. Obviously, Mayo was just a bit too strong. Like, I mean, and they've got they had some absolutely quality players. That's a lot more of a difficult task to try and rebuild a team when you're down at those levels, when you're obviously the, you know, the second fiddle in the county in terms of profile prominence and, um, you know, I suppose support. So I think what he's done is an outstanding job this year in terms of just kind of reinvigorating their season, getting them promoted back out of Division 4, which they probably shouldn't have been in the first place, and like really kind of set them up now to have a half-decent championship, and I think they will win. Now, their record against Limerick is hit and miss, and it's very much a 50-50, but the game is at home in Semple Stadium. I'd imagine they'll have trained there quite a bit during the week, and um, you know, I th- yeah, I think it's I think it's it's a, again similarly to Monaghan Derry, hard one to call. But I'm just going to give Tipperary the nod on the basis that they'll, you know, create a bit of kerfuffle because that that will eventually mean then is you have to have a preliminary draw for the for the for the for the Tajin Cup, yeah, and a knock-on preliminary draw. I think for the first round qualifiers, mm-hmm. which I think probably result in Mayo being in it, which would be great, right? <laughs> um, they've got they had six debutants against Waterford. Um, I guess uh, Oshin, the question is, how many of them are from the North Riding and how many of them are from the South Riding? Which will determine whether Tipperary are in the North End or the South End of the draw for the Chelsea Cup. Don't don't get me started on this because um, literally, I suppose, uh, I think let's just let's face it, the Chelsea Cup is is. It's it's like something that's on, on probation, and uh, and everything we we need to do everything correct to a T, and uh, for us to announce that we are gonna uh, go north and south, like I like 
imagine the people sitting in the room making that decision, right? I can understand why the people in that room made the decision, but I cannot understand why there wasn't one person in that room went, whoa, hold on a second, guys. How is this going to be viewed by the teams who are taking place? We are trying to sell these people something. We mm. have got so far down the road. Now we need to um, put the icing on the cake and we need to make sure that the conditions which, which the big perceived big boys are playing on are going to be exactly the same as the ones that uh, the second tier is playing on. And how somebody in that room, if this was a, a collective decision, how somebody at some stage didn't go, oh, hold on a second, lads. How is this going to be viewed by other teams? I know for a fact because I've talked, I've talked over the last four or five days, I've talked to at least 10 people involved in this competition and every one of them have the same problem. Why should that be the case for us and not the case for the big boys? Yeah. And I just think we still have time to rectify this. We still have a couple of days in order to turn this around. And before somebody tells me that it was done for the right reasons and it was done because of uh, finances and all those things, I accept that. 100% I accept that. But I guarantee you the teams, county boards, will suck up that extra 400 quid or whatever it is in order to get to these fixtures and play them. Cavan are fed up playing for mana. For mana are fed up playing Antrim. Or, you know... not especially the northern Wexford are fed up playing Wicklow if you want to take it down south as well you know exactly that's that's just the way it is and I don't I I honestly cannot believe that we've arrived at this and we're sticking with it and our heads are down and stuck in the sand again because if you want if you want this to work it has to work for everybody and everybody has to be viewed in the same way and I don't even care how I sound now, but this is so important mm. to these to the to the teams that are involved in this, and for them to feel as if they have a set separate set of circumstances to the perceived big boys. Yeah, it's just another. It's just another own goal. Yeah, like Marty, we, like we keep saying, the Talton Cup needs promotion. We talk about it here on this podcast more than we talk about any of the lower tier hurling um competitions and it's and it's mostly not in the positive we now know when the draw is taking place supposedly there's going to be some kind of a launch on monday as well i haven't got any details on that but i do know that the draw is on morning ireland which is good that is people say why isn't it on tv but then when the draw is put on tv people give out why the draw is on tv morning ireland has a huge audience about four hundred thousand people if you want people to know about something morning ireland is a good place to put it but you know, next year it's going to be four groups of four. So this year, like, it's starting off at a bit of a limp. Four groups of four, but I mean, I mean, I have to say that just to endorse what Ashin is saying, I don't think he should be surprised because I've been saying this for a while. Um, the, the recent decision making uh, in the GA world uh, is is quite poor, in my opinion. I think the fact that we're having all islands in July, seventeenth uh, and twenty fourth. Um, and this packed, packed uh, schedule of fixtures um, is mind-boggling for me because in one side of the mouth there is the try to get the, the fixtures done. The other side of the mouth is talking about player welfare. Uh, now the Talton Cup comes along. All we've heard, this is going to be great. We're going to have to insist on television coverage. All I'm hearing is 
of players thinking about heading to America uh, because uh, and, and abroad rather than waiting on for the Talton Cup. So, like, when I think of Cavan last Sunday, and I know that everybody knew what it was, but Cavan's performance was, I thought, very impressive against Donegal, and they're heading for the Talton Cup. And it's, it's, I find that difficult. And I, I understand the concept, I understand the reasoning for it, but I, I, what I don't understand is, uh, in my opinion, dividing it up into North and South, for what reason? Everything Oshin said, validate 100%. And next year, we're going to have four groups of four or whatever. Well, like this is, that's absolutely crazy, Marty. I mean, like, like the Tatching Cup does not need a round robin. Like it does not. It just simply does not need it. Like dead rubbers, Sligo against like Waterford against Carlo and some dead rubber match that no one will go to. Like that is just, it's like so many things in that you that you come across, whether it was the Super 8s or whether it was the Tommy Murphy Cup or whether it was the original round robin and hurling back in the noughties. Concept good, execution bad. Like it, this was, like it's a straight, it's straightforward, open draw. Whatever teams are in it, you pull the names out of a hat. They all play each other once. Straight knockout, and on you go. It's uh, I don't know. I mean, I just think they, 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 there's so there was an awful lot of opportunities missed here. I, I mentioned on the last podcast as well, by the way, Mikey. Like in relation to, I mean, what what are they actually playing for? What does the cup? What does the Talchin Cup look like? Like, wouldn't it have been a very just a very simple idea, right? To farm out the design of the new Talchin Cup to the secondaries or the primary schools of Ireland. And straight away, you say the winner is going to be, his cup design is going to be the official Talchin Cup and he's going to present it in Croke Park on the day, on the 9th of July, when they'll probably be playing second fiddle to a double bill of Dublin Kerry. So it'll be a massive crowd. You bring the kid up, he designs the Talchin Cup. You get all the schools engaged straight away because everybody is going, Jesus, you know, it could be me, it could be me. Like simple, and, and, and that wouldn't cost you anything. Yeah. It wouldn't cost you a, a farthing. Yeah, I, I have a feeling we're probably going to return to this probably on Monday after the draw, so we better the, have a quick... The concept, a, a, is good. the concept is a good thing, Mikey. Yeah. The concept is a good, like the Talchin Cup, I think, needs to be supported and, survive, and try and survive. But the execution, again, I just think has been, like, it's just... Disappointing. Uh, a word on the uh, lens. Anna, I think Limerick will beat Tipperary. <laughs> so do I. Marty, keep quickly, it, it, in a word. Keep it nice, keep it nice and clean for everybody. I, 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 I hate to go against Oshin. I usually agree with him in most of our debates. Now, Never. But, I, <laughs> but I'm going with Rory in this one. I think Tip will win in Paris. All right, it's two versus two. That's good. Okay, a quick word then on the Leinster semi-finals. Oshin. Um, both in Crow Park, which, you know, the wide open expanses, but not as wide and open expanses as Dr. Hyde Park of Crow Park. Um, the sense Kildare versus Westmead here, the sense is Kildare are on a hiding to nothing. They're expected to win. They're expected to win handsomely. If anyone is going to give them a prayer against um, a prayer against Dublin, they were very impressive against Louth. They should have too much for Westmead. Um and that's kind of the end of the sentence. It's hard to say. There's hard to say a but for Westmead here, other than the fact that they're probably better than their league position suggested. Well, if I think they've had they've had two decent years without um, really getting to the levels that I think that they expect them of themselves now. Um, I actually like Westmead. I think 
the thing I liked about Kildare the last day was that um, they went about their business in in a, in a really um, professional manner. Um, they had loud disposed of in 15, 20 minutes. And um, there was something uh, very ruthless about them, which is the last thing that I would have associated with Kildare over the last four or five years. And uh, so in that regard, they've changed dramatically. Uh, I think the other thing that's changed about them is there's proper steel about them now, proper steel. And I think that that is to do with they are now playing for the badge, they're playing for the jersey, they're playing for the people, they're playing for the community. And, and that maybe hadn't been tapped into before um, as much. But I think these guys are getting the most out of the, the most out of the, the, this Kildare team. And then the fact that they have uh, a forward line that um, can match anybody else. Um, I think the thing about the Westmead game is that they need to now replicate what they did the last day and I think they'll have enough to win but I think Westmead will cause them more problems um, especially um, defensively than, uh, than Loud, cost, than Loud uh, caused them so uh, as much as it looks like a, a nothing game for Kildare I think Kildare can get a huge amount out of it psychologically because again it's going back to the dairy thing backing up what you did the last day and having the maximum level of preparation going into the going into the final which more than likely will be obviously the dubs but yeah well, will be the dubs uh does anybody that's where it's stuff for time brendan commons is waiting to come in talk Arnold. does does anybody disagree with a kildare win here Shake, no. shakes of the head all around. No. Um, it's hard to and, make. And, and, I know, and I don't think anyone disagrees with the Dublin. With the Dublin. <laughs> well, there we have to one, mention there is, it. There, there is one small little concern I would imagine from a Dublin perspective is uh, I heard there last night is Davy Byrne gone for the season. Yeah, Carlton. Yeah, so. Cruciate, sorry. Cruciate. He's a cruciate ligament. That's a blow. That's mm. a blow, lads. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big blow. It is, it is, it is a very important factor that Rory mentions because I think Davy Byrne is probably very underrated. He, he, he takes over that part and parcel that full back line. And if there's an area of weakness in Dublin, even when the great Dublin teams were there, they don't have a lot of depth there, no, either, Marty. No, you know? no. The high, the high dropping ball that Cappen mm-hmm. uh, felt uh, uh, would also be a Dublin weakness. Uh, and Davy seemed to, without being, you know, yeah. uh, a, 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 a man that wouldn't jump into the air for you, but he did a great tight marking job in that inner line. He is a loss. Yeah, he certainly is. Um, well, at the other end of the field, Ushin, I suppose most people, most Dublin fans, um, and I, I shudder to even bring up this match. I'm still the PTSD hasn't passed yet, but um, Conor Callahan's per, uh, performance against Wexford kind of put everybody on notice. Like this is kind of. You know, we all we eulogize David Clifford like for everything he does, and rightly so, because he puts bums on seats and people watch matches to watch him specifically. A fit and firing Conal Callahan is that kind of player, and he's also I I would argue that important to Dublin. Like he is like he makes that attack look very different from the one that got relegated from Division One. He does, and you know what else he does? He gives you the opportunity to play both Rock and Costello. I think because um, obviously on the previous regimes. That was never, uh, it was one or the other. Um, and I think now there's a realisation that um, if we have somebody as dynamic as Conor Gallen in there, then you can play both of them and they'll get your scores because there's so much attention focused on him. And if I'm honest, 
he it looked like Conor Callan at about 60-70% the last day, so there's more to come from him. Yep. But just the, the, the Dublin forward line in general and uh, how they played the last day, how they, uh, they moved around and Dublin at last having played seven league games started to think a little bit more about uh, how they were going to protect their, their, their defence. Still not there, but it's a work in progress and who knows if, when it's going to click. It might click it might click against me, and that's why these games that look like nothing games, you can find stuff out along the way. So I think uh, Davy Bourne being out is is a huge loss to them, um, and and this game may give them the opportunity to 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 find somebody else to to slot in there. Uh, but I do think that that as much as it feels like a nothing game, I think Dublin can get plenty out of this game, and I think uh, the stiffer that Mead challenge, the more they'll get out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, I think we've covered all our bases on football. And Brendan Cummins, who obviously could contribute to a football chat, but we, we haven't asked him to double job on his first podcast of the year, will be in shortly. So, Oshin, we'll let you go. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Bye, Oshin. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Oh, holy Moses. Uh, welcome back. We've been joined by Brendan Cummins for his first podcast appearance of the year. How are you, Brendan? I'll go, chat. All good, Jads. I'm just uh, slightly disappointed I'm on podcasts, event, to be honest. It means our famous under-20s are, are out of the championship, unfortunately. Yeah, it's um, I, I, I caught a bit of your game, but I did watch the Leinster final. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, under-20 provincial finals do have a habit of being cruel, I find. And Wexford's defeat was quite cruel, missing, missing the shot by inches with the last puck of the game. Um, so it's, it's anyway, for those who don't know, it's Limerick going on to play Kilkenny in the All-Ireland final. But, um. Your Tipperary side, Brendan, there, there's there's plenty of encouragement for the future, shall we say? Yeah, there is, and I suppose it was my first uh, venture into the, an underage or a management setup. And uh, I have to say, we played a lot of games, the same as all the other counties did. And we'd have played Wexford and and um, and Kilkenny and had great ding dong battles with them. So the championship is extremely close, <laughs> I suppose you know. But um, and and all the teams extremely well organized using it as a platform i suppose to develop players to bring them on to the senior team so having looked at it, i think the future is bright and in a huge amount of counties right across the right across the country to be fair when it comes to the the the, the monster and leinster championship i think there's a huge amount of talent coming and uh, it was great to get an insight and see what's what other counties have and, and what's coming as well so it's very positive you mentioned development brendan there's obviously a fair bit of unhappiness among hurling people about the rule that uh, prohibits under twenties from from playing senior championship. Um, I suppose on the flip side, there's also serious concerns about burnout, hip injuries, hip replacements, knee replacements for men in their thirties because of, you know, too much training, too many matches during their developmental years. So, circle in the square, I suppose, is difficult enough. But what was your view on that rule? Look, I think the rule has to go. It's the first view anyway. Um, I think it was it was piggybacked in on the football when there wasn't a split season. Uh, I think Hurland adopted it just out of we may as well do what the footballers are doing. Um, and this year I see it. It's 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 the cruelest thing. And Marty will agree, I would presume, on this. And Cahill O'Neill scored 1-1 in the last minute and a half to knock Clara out of the under-20 championship. Very a unlucky. Week later, yeah. he couldn't play against Cork. So there's an unbelievable inequality in the in the in the in what happened in that case, you know. So and also like I went down to see Cork play Limerick. It'd been brilliant to see Kieran Joyce and Carl O'Neill marking each other in yeah. their own age group against their peers, and everybody was that was was robbed of that. So look, everybody I speak to across all the counties, 
we all have the same view that let the, the guys under 20 play with their own age group. I mean, you take Oshin Pepper, come on for what two or three minutes in the Leinster Championship and Roster misses him in the uh, for the under 20 Championship and an unbelievable talent who can't grow and flourish within his own age group. Um, it's it's just mad, and I, I think it will have to change. I feel there's a huge appetite out there to change it. Um, I just hope that the mothership, as it were, listens and the Congress that's going to be held later this year decides to change it for next year because I do think these young players like deserve to play in their own age group and not be penalised for the fact that they're inter senior and the county team is looking for them to contribute as well. Yeah, but Marty, I, I will go back to the counter-argument of, of, of burnout and players being contributing to too many teams between college, between club, albeit a split season, I suppose, does less than that. And if you're playing with a couple of inter-county teams, you know, there's there the demands physically, mentally, just time-wise are huge. So it's not without any rationale, this rule, surely. Yeah, and you're, you're right to bring it up, but I'll disagree with you uh, because um, I really do think that this is, I think this is actually even morally wrong. I mean, you're only under 20, under 21. I think it should go back to under 18 and under 21. There was nothing wrong with it. We bent the rule there because we've heard all different evidence and information. Bottom line is that, in my opinion, one, it should go back to under 18 and, and uh, under 21. But if you're good enough to play senior in the county championship, you should not be punished by then not being allowed to play with your own age group. You're only underage for the first 20 years of your life, uh, per se. And you need to be able to be bonding with your, with your colleagues, with the lads you went to school with, the lads you played maybe minor with, or in played the under-17 development squad, and you're being denied because you're good? Should that can't be right. It's a form of discrimination. This is another, this is another daft decision. It's a, form, it's, a form, yeah, 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 it's a form of discrimination, Mikey. It is. Like yeah. it, doesn't apply, it doesn't apply to Joe McDonough teams. It only applies to Liam McCarthy Cup. So if you're a really good player, you get penalised. Like, yeah. I mean... You know? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, no, I, I think also I, I, it's it's only yeah. Sorry, it's it's important to note as well, right? That if you're talking with inter-county teams, you're not talking about a local club team that trained the lads eight nights a week if they got their chance. You're talking about sports science. You're talking about physios. You're talking about two managers who are talking to each other with the benefit of trying to get this player through the system with flogging them to death. You're talking about then Fitzgibbon Cups. You're talking about freshers. Then you're talking about colleges, Harty Cups, trying in the middle of it all. So, you know what I mean? It's the, I, I have no, like a lot of the players that I've had this year, thankfully, I suppose, in a, in a good way, we were selfish now. We didn't have any with the seniors. But potentially next year, we could have a few with the seniors. And it's it's just extremely difficult for those players to say, right, lads, good luck. I'm too good to be playing with G according to the GA and I, I can't develop with my own age group. It's just, I don't know. I think it'll change, though. On a positive note in this part, I think it will change because there's a huge appetite out there. Yeah, well, watch this space. Um, yeah, uh, Marty, I suppose the, the big hurl story of the week doesn't really involve hurling at all. Obviously, we, we, we've got... Um, confirmation that that a limerick unnamed limerick hurler was uh, arrested and questioned and released in limerick city center after uh, a row in a pub following their their monster semi-final uh, sorry their monster uh, round robin win over tipperary um it's not the first time limerick have have had kind of issues off the field shall we say there was there was something during their trip to to the states a few years ago um that was off season. I think Michael Moynihan makes the point in the examiner that, that that was an off season thing. They could kind of let it blow over. This is slap bang in the middle of the championship. John Kiley needs this like he needs a hole in the head. Mm. And you know, the funny thing is, I think it changes the attitude to the game between Clare and Limerick 
on Sunday. It, 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 it's going to be a factor. Um, I think, you know, you'd have to, to question for, I remember when the, when the Clare team were going well in the 90s and they'd want to have a bit of a, 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 a blowout. They wouldn't, they would go to West Clare, they'd go to near where I'm from, near Milltown Albury or La Hinch, and they'd be left to themselves and to be, to, to be themselves. To go out, uh, to be in a pub in Limerick City on the night of a What was he doing? What was he doing in a well, like, that was the line that struck me, Marty, as well. Yeah. Well-known Limerick City centre pub. Yeah. I mean, I, I was saying this, like, we were chatting about it as well yesterday. Like the Dublin football, like we can be too monastic at times in the GA and expect players to live these sort of almost, you know, unholy lives. And it taken taken all the joy out of it. I know for a fact that Dublin footballers, after after, and they're arguably the best team that we've seen in Gaelic games for the last twenty years. After they would win, they'd go to some pokey place out in rural County mm. Dublin. Believe it or not, there are still rural parts in County Dublin. Mm. And just go out there in Old Town or somewhere like that. And they'd have a few points that night or maybe on the Monday and then they'd go back to training. Like, that was just the thing that really struck me. I was like, what were you doing in the Limerick City Centre, you know? Go out, yeah. go out to Galbally or somewhere. Like, and... Yeah. Um, I, I, I Interesting, just that point of view for you, Brendan, because obviously you, you you played, you know, relatively recently when, you know, the game was, you know, the mass media had taken interests, everybody knew what you looked like, etc., etc. Would it have ever crossed the tip? Like, like, would you have ever gone drinking in Thurless after a championship match? No, but you could find yourself with your circle of friends and you say, lads, we're going here and you'd want to be quiet. And then a few lads that you wouldn't have seen for a while because you're away trained would say, we're going into this place. And then you might tag along with them. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's just unfortunate the way the whole panned out. No doubt it can be seen as a distraction. The only positive, I suppose, Limit can take from it is that they got to try to get ahead of it as quick as they could with their statement out there saying that there is an issue and we're dealing with it. So they weren't trying to brush it under the carpet in any, any, any way or means. And I don't think that's the way John Kiley has his set up running. But Marty said the right thing. It just adds an extra dynamic now to that game. And then I thought the game would be similar to what would happen in 2019 when Limerick came to Torles, qualified, tip beat him. Limerick didn't really do a major amount to try to stop Tip from winning because they knew they were qualified once they didn't get injuries. But now they're under the microscope as to what's going to happen and what's the reaction. And we'll see it in Ennis and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, it could actually serve clear in a bad way that this is after happening because Limerick will be looking to show that we're galvanised and we're all together and we're not falling to pieces over this. Yeah, because that was the thing, Marty. There was, you know, this kind of idea that Clare could benefit from Limerick turning up in their flip-flops and, like, not being too bothered about it. Whereas now, yeah... On the one hand, Limerick may want to show, you know, we're unbothered by this, we're all Ireland champions, etc. On the other hand, they'll want to walk a fine line because if they pick up a red card, it won't just be a red card in the match. It'll be flammed up as, you know, Limerick discipline. Here it is again on and off the pitch. Yeah. You can write the headlines before it happens. I'm not predicting yeah, they I will mean, get a red card, but, you know, it happens in senior inter-county hurling. Like, I mean, it's a very interesting um, situation to be in in so many ways because... You know, Limerick are virtually guaranteed, I think, a place in the Munster final overall. I, uh, I think you'd have to accept that. So up to now, I thought, well, maybe he might give six or seven of subs a, a run out. But with this incident getting so many headlines, he, the attitude might be, OK, we need to put the emphasis and the focus back on hurling. And we need to win every game, despite the fact that we might be playing Clare, maybe, in the Munster hurling final. So I, I do think it, it, it changes the perspective, and I think John Kylie and Paul Kinnerk and the lads um, Dodge uh, will know ultimately what they're going to do themselves. But it, it, 
it makes it more intriguing, I have to say, uh, the whole uh, psychological aspect of this, because the likelihood is that either, it, uh, I think to be either Limerick, Waterford, Limerick, Clare, and Munster Hurling final, obviously, as a stand, but it's the permutations now, because Clare play Limerick, and then they play Waterford the following week, while Limerick will be off. So they may, John Kiley might want to make a statement, this is, we are the All-Ireland champions, and we're going to win every game. Yeah, um, they could very well decide that, Rory. I suppose the question is, how are Clare fixed moving on to the actual match? Yeah. How are Clare fixed to, to, to stand up to Limerick? Because they've, they've impressed so far, obviously. Um, they've, had, they've had, you know, a chance to rest up now. And there's, but Limerick... And they've have, got a few uh, players back, Mickey. There's they a couple have. of injuries after tidying up. I don't know, is David Reedy now fit? Is Mark Rogers potentially back training and fit? And have they got... Who else was there? There was somebody else was, as well. Uh, uh, Aaron. Aaron Shanahan. Aaron Shanahan was it? No, I'm trying to remember Marty. Yeah. Who's uh, who's on the one, who's on the way one back? Other big name was it? Um, it, it McCarthy was another lad. But McCarthy, think, that he's was a bit it. longer though, Marty. He's longer, he? yeah, he's yeah, longer. yeah, yeah. So he might be back. I mean, like the Clare, definitely, I think the Clare team have improved under Brian Lohan. I big mean, time, they have. Yeah, they have a they have a Lohan esque uh, feel about them. You know, which is pride and his passion. Which is also hurling. But when you put, you know, Peter Duggan uh, and Shane O'Donnell in your full forward line, and you've Tony Kelly performing on a four or five out of ten, where normally it's been ten and a half out of ten, if you know what I mean, where the county has been depending on Tony. And Tony has been playing well, but part of the team. But you know how what potential he has. I think Claire are limited in their resources. Brian Lohan is doing a great job. He's gotten the maximum out of it, but whether it is enough to take on a Limerick squad or 24, 25, I don't know. But I, I know that in Ennis, the attitude will be, this is our home patch. This is going to be a cauldron. We need to win this. I know it's been impossible to get tickets at home uh, because of the visit of the All-Ireland champions. So I expect a humdinger. Mm. And I think once the ball is thrown in, all ideas of, oh, we might be playing them again. Forget it. This is Claire Limerick. This will be war. Oh, it will be. Oh, absolutely. Bre- Brendan, ha- have... Yeah, I think the Sorry, I think the prediction as well as Shane O'Donnell out in the half hour, and it reminded me a bit of what Liam Sheedy did with John McGrath when he took him out from the edge of the square again with more of a freedom to play and express himself. And I think the modern half forward is allowed to go into his own half-back line knowing that he can't be marked. I think Shane O'Donnell, seeing him in that Tipperary game, played that role really well. And also coming from behind on the puck outs, it meant that he was able to win puck outs by leaving the centre, the wing back, stay in front of him. And he was coming from behind and he was he was very good. And I think it just rejuvenated what Shane O'Donnell was doing and got him, kept him in the game. Because I'd have always thought Shane O'Donnell decided, yes, where, give him 10 or 15 minutes without getting any ball and then start to lift. But bring him out in the game more often and, and involved. And he has no problem in working back, which for me was a, was a big piece in, in watching clear against Tipperary when they dismantled Tip that day. Yeah, um, they do seem to have have the forwards, Rory, without a shadow of a doubt, mm. to 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 put it up to to Limerick. I suppose the question then is your full, but the full back line in particular, and well, obviously the half back line is important as well. But the, that that middle that middle battle is kind of a an eight or nine man job, shall we say? It turns into a bit of a amorphous blob. But the the full back line against this Limerick full forward line, be it Kyle Hayes. Aaron Galan, you know, yeah. whoever's in there, they they showed the last day that like they're just ex- exceedingly dangerous. And we say it about Limerick a lot. It's kind of like whack a mole. You tie up 
you know, Gerard Hegarty, someone else pops up and gets the stores, scores the next day. So I think the question marks around Clare would be to do with their defence, not because of their defence, but because of how Limerick are playing at the moment. Well, if Kyle goes in full forward, I mean, you know, you've Kyle Hayes against Conor Cleary, like that's worth the entrance fee alone. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, that would be some wrestling match before they even pick up the Hurleys. Uh, then you, I'd imagine Ro, um, Rory Burton, Rory Hayes will pick up Aaron Gillan. That 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 would probably seem like he's. I would imagine he's the best. Well, he's like he's probably the best cornerback in the country at the minute. Really, like himself and Sean Finn. I don't think they'd have too many worries in their defence. Claire, I think they've got a very good one to fifteen. I think the depth is probably their biggest issue. And mm. um, to go back to the Brent point, Brendan was making as well. And one thing that struck me as very surprising, really, is Peter Duggan's form. Like normally if a fella has been away from, particularly from inter-county hurling and particularly if he's away in a foreign country, you know, like you kind of half expect them when they come back that they're hurling, like they might, they might be in good conditioning. They might, they might have kept their fitness levels up really well, but their hurling will lack that sharpness that you might require to really play at the top level. But his hasn't seemed to fallen off at all. Um, and I'd imagine wherever he was, I think, was he in Australia? Was it Australia? He was. Mm-hmm. Australia, yeah. yeah. He must have lived in whatever ball alleys he found out there because I, I think that, that that's that's the big surprise for me. Um, their, phys- another, their physical shape, their physical conditioning is also a big, a big, not a surprise, but it just it's impressive in that you know look they're well able to mix it now on all of the different aspects that you're going to require if you're going to actually remain competitive with Limerick because they're going to test you in every different department. And I think Claire are well set. This is going to be, I can't wait for this. I really can't wait for this. I think this is going to be a serious contest. There's going to be a feral atmosphere inside in Cusick Park. As Marty said, the place is sold out. It'll be a brilliant, brilliant atmosphere there. And uh, if you look back to the league, the, the, the league meeting between the two teams, was it 18 points apiece in a yeah. big 11, 10, 11,000 at a league game? We know how shite the league was, really. Like, and that'll give you an indication this will be, you know, this will be ramped up even further and it'll be something to really look forward to, you know? There, yeah. There's a new and up-and-coming star. He's already a star, but there's an, uh, there is an upcoming star in Clare, um, Shane Meehan from the Banner Club in the town of Ennis. Um, and he is going to be, he's in the Shane O'Donnell League, but he's a classy, he's a brilliant, he's a bit like Brendan Cummins in his day. He, was a dual, he is a dual star. Um, but I have a funny feeling he's going to t- concentrate on the hurling. But he, he brilliant footballer now. But Shane, I, like the, the, I remember he played against Cork minor footballers, and I think he scored one eight from play. And the Cork people were asking me afterwards, "Who's your man?" Uh, but he's 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 something a little bit special, and I think he will emerge through this championship. Although I I know how old he is. I think he's only 20, 21. Um, as a, as a, I think he's going to make an impact uh, over the next couple of weeks and months. I hope. Yeah, I think as well, um, Roy, just on Peter Duggan there. Uh, sometimes, if you think back to when Clare had those All Ireland semi finals things against Galway, yeah. and Duggan was unbelievable, I think you can get a bit claustrophobic in a county when you're the Messiah, as it were, the guy who's going to do all yeah. singing, all dancing. And then you leave and you go off and you find yourself on a beach in a pair of shorts and you're going, do you know what? There is actually more to life than the end of the world hurling game. And then you come back. And you bring that carefree yeah. attitude with you and you go, do you know what? Do you know, I, there's more to life than what's going on here. So I'm yeah. going to express myself. There's no mm-hmm. regrets. I have a freedom. 
And that's what I saw in Peter Duggan above in Turles today. Very he good ran, point, yeah. he went to the ball. He just expressed himself. There was no hitting a free wide from 40 yards and thinking, and, oh my God, there's shame on my family for hitting this wide. He just went, I'm playing, I don't care. And that's the way he plays. And the rest of the team have reflected that. And fair play to Brian Lowen for getting all these fellas and him integrated back in in such a, in such a positive way as they have. Yeah. Could you see Claire winning this match, Brendan? I can, yeah, I can. I, I still think after everything that's gone on in Limerick, I still think the Limerick are looking at the bigger picture, which will be to make sure that they don't have massive injuries. Um, and I think the edge that you have from... Uh, it being a knockout match won't be there and it will be there for Clare for all the world and that they'll want to get the six points, get to a Munster final. And uh, I think in fact, is on in Ennis as well, might be just enough to get Clare across the line on this one. And they have a bit of momentum as well, if you think about how well they played against Cork and Tipperary, which is something Clare, I suppose, in the last number of years haven't really had that level of high confidence going into a game like this. And I think they have it now. They have a bit of maturity about them and uh, I think they might have enough, yeah. Mark, are you going to wholeheartedly endorse that or are you going to engage in some cute tourism? Ah oh, no, I think Brendan's judgment is spot on on this occasion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's when he says Tipperary will win every year, I, I get a bit bothered about him, you know. I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be biased in any way. But um yeah, I think Claire will give this everything. They've got to give it everything because if they want that monster final place, and I, I think the whole idea of games and oh, we might be playing them again, that is so unlike Brian Lohan. Uh, that he will just want to win, and, and particularly in Ennis, and have the deal done before the Waterford uh, lads arrive. So, and I, look, Clare Limerick take on a whole new dimension. You know, mm-hmm. there is an intense rivalry. We always had a rivalry with Tipperary, but it, it goes up three or four notches when it is Limerick. And the fact that they're all Ireland champions and they're so good, I think Clare will, will, uh, will really, really want to win this for so many reasons. I think Limerick, I think Kylie might. I'm only guessing, but I, th- I think he may leave off a couple of players, which would be good news for Clare, like Aaron Gillan, because for, you can't afford to have either injuries or anybody picking up uh, cards in this match because the time is so short. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, w- I, w- I, I, I would never go against somebody of the sheer gravitas of Brendan Cummins. I think his judgment on this particular podcast is spot on <laughs> i'm gonna say limerick queen i just i actually do think the the incident on sunday night monday morning does does change the does change the dynamic here and, and i think john Kiley is gonna really is gonna in with maybe while resting a couple of players but i think limerick could, yeah. i i might make the case that limerick a fired up limerick could rest aaron gillan and still beat claire that might be a stretch rory what do you think I actually You're agree. Up there, Mikey. Yeah. You're up. I, can't <laughs> I actually Something agree. Something wrong there. <laughs> as much as 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 much as I've been impressed with Claire, and I say I I stand over the fact that I still think they could be in the Munster final, and I think they will be in the last four, um, because I think they are they're outstanding side. I do actually think you know look the, the negative press on Monday last the some criticism of their performance last Sunday, even though I don't think Tipperary maybe got enough credit on that front. If that was then to be bookended or supplemented on a, with a third kind of a wave of negative negativity by losing to Clare, I think it could actually, you know, set off some major alarm bells around Limerick for the year. Now, do I see that happening on Sunday? No, I think actually, I think they'll come out and they'll be, pretty fired up for this because 
you, you yeah i just like the, as marty mentioned like these are lads that have gone to school and college with each other the rivalry is actually quite intense and quite keen and i think they will um yeah fancy limerick to win um the other monster game well i suppose we're, we're probably predicting a waterford win here in all likelihood going on on form and well form mainly uh but brendan i thought it was interesting during the week liam cahill kind of put out a clarion call to Waterford fans to turn up and fill out Walsh Park. Walsh it's, Park a small, it's a small, it's a We're not talking about Semple or Parky Cueve or Croker here. Like the best Waterford team in a decade, let's say, um, league champions, yada, 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 looking to secure a place in a monster final. I, I, would, I thought that was a little bit strange and I, like unnecessary. Oh. Uh, but no. then maybe you don't but, think so. Was he afraid no. maybe Brendan that Cork, Cork supporters will buy up all the tickets or maybe? Yeah, there... he's focusing minds. I think is what Liam Cahill is doing. I mean, in the in the term of banana skins, this is probably the biggest one and the most scariest one that Watford will have. Watford, the, the tag of favourites doesn't sit unbelievably comfortable yeah. with the Watford group, right? It's not a slight on them, it's just the way it is. And they are in the middle of a hype now of supporters looking further down the road of who we play in the Ireland semi-final. We'll be playing Limerick again in the Munster final. How will we get on against that? So in fairness to Liam, I think he's trying to ground everybody in the Daesha County to say, look, we need to turn up here. Supporters, players, management team, everybody to get over Cork. And we're probably at this stage fed up with saying if there's that in Cork, it'll come out today. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're Liam Cahill, you're paranoid out of your head that this is going to be the day. And if Cork beat Watford below in, that, below in Welsh Park, and we saw how Tipperary tied Watford up in knots for long, long periods of that game, Cork are more than capable of doing the exact same thing. And then suddenly we get down the home straight, two or three points in it either way, and it's squeaky bum time, right? And I don't think he wants to get down that road. So I think the rally cry has gone out to Watford to come, but also rally cry to his players to say, right, we're going to have the support. I've called for that. You better front up now that they're here and make sure we deliver on potentially the best Watford team that 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 they've had in decades. But they need to do it on the pitch now. And Sunday's mm. a massive game for Watford now. And Brendan, we talk about the round robin and it's hot and heavy and the games come thick and fast. Watford haven't played since the 23rd of April. <laughs> yeah, it's a long, it's a long gap. And people like, you know, like, I mean, in fairness to Cork, if, if I'm Liam Cahill and I'm looking at Cork and going, right, 27 minutes in, they're 11 points down. Yeah, we, we could beat him. But, but, they only lost the match by two points to clear. And we're already and, at the game. And there was well two There was two very questionable decisions in that game. There was yeah. a 65 given to Clare. And then there was a definite free out for a pull on Rob Downey's face mask, mm-hmm. which was given as a free in, by the way. Mm-hmm. Which were two, you know, no, look, Cork didn't deserve to win that game. Sorry, Brendan. Yeah, but either way, look, if you look under the bonnet, I suppose, of the Cork performances, I mean, they are capable, like we see in that Clare game, of being 11 points down and, and coming back. That's the positive for, for Cork, which if you're a manager, you're putting the fear of God into it. Everyone says you're going to win this one and march on and wonder will it be Clare and Ennis kind of stuff. Beating Cork below in Welsh Park now will be the priority and you can see it in the way he's done that rally cry that it's very, very serious, uh, serious game for Watford. Yeah, Marty, um, it's a serious game for Waterford. Since the league final, these two, these stars are gone in opposite directions. And the league final, you could say, was probably the start of Cork's demise because they were so utterly taken asunder by Waterford. And Cork haven't fixed the issues in their in their defence. And it's just manna from heaven for this Waterford team because they know they can build up a head of steam for the half-back line and just 
you know, run <laughs> run the coaching horses through the middle of the Cork defence, and just, it doesn't just, look like Cork can fix that. Just the issues in the defence, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, they're the ones that are going to cause Waterford to score five goals and rack up 25 points. You know, I, I suppose, I remember last year, one of our first televised league games was Cork and Limerick in the Gaelic Grounds in Limerick. And Mark Coleman uh, was marking Keen Lynch. I remember, I think, being on your podcast and, and Rory's podcast that, for the All-Ireland Final. And I said, well, it won't happen that Mark Coleman will be marking Keen Lynch again. And lo and behold, it happened. Um, I don't know who said it. Somebody said it that it'd almost be a good idea to play Mark Coleman midfielder up in the forwards and relieve him of the duty of centre-half back because he's not a really tight marker. Cork haven't solved their problems. They've been unlucky in some ways with players like Daryl Leary getting injured. Um, and they have, I, I, I kind of agree with Mikey, that defensively they seem to have serious issues in, in so many places. And I don't think they've resolved it. And it is purely the spirit of Cork, which is very powerful, by the way. Um, and when their backs are to the wall. And I was surprised that when they lost their last game, they were kind of saying, oh, we're kind of gone out of it. They're not, actually. Uh -huh. The, the uh -huh. permutations are there. Uh, and that's when Cork are at their most dangerous. And I would love to see um, that, that Cork rebel attitude come to the surface on Sunday and maybe give Waterford, if they're not beat him, to be a major achievement if they beat him in their own backyard. But give it socks because this could be the last hurrah, but it also could be a change in their whole tone. Jesus, Marty, don't give him hope. The despair he can handle, it's the hope that's going to kill him, though. Hope ain't, hope ain't a strategy, Mikey. You know, <laughs> keep saying it, you know. I'm, actually, I'm relying on passion now. That's what I'm relying yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, we'll be getting trouble when we analyse hurling matches that way, Rory, which we try to avoid doing on this yeah. podcast at all possible. Like, it, like, look, in many ways, I would all, like, this might now, I'll, I'll probably have people coming at me and giving out and grant, whatever. Um, look, I have thick skin, don't worry about me. But, but I kind of, in one sense, nearly hope they bottom out. I hope they, like, I was, like, obviously, you hope, you want, of course, you want to, you'd love to see Cork win for the players, for the management, for the supporters. Um and give themselves a little bit of hope. But what are you actually doing? I think you're probably taking out one of the few teams that are maybe capable of beating Limerick. And I would say you're only kind of sticking a little bit of a sticky plaster on a really bad sore and pulling, you know, a veil over something that's going to have to be addressed one way or the other. Like, I mean, it could be the very, they could go out and maybe cause ructions in the championship by taking out Waterford. And they could easily lose to Tipperary the following week against a tip team with nothing to play for. That's how inconsistent and how much you probably can't trust them. So in one, in many ways, if you look at the Waterford team of 2019, they bottomed out. They lost all four matches, right? And in that, in that winter, Liam Cahill was appointed. There was a couple of notable um, ejections from the panel, which caused a little bit of rancor and uh, around what around Waterford City. I mean, look, particularly in relation to I suppose Noel Connors and Morris Shan. But who's who's given out about Liam Cahill now in, in relation to that, you know, and given the couple of years that they've had winning league titles, being in all Ireland finals, being in all Ireland semi-finals, you know, being in Munster finals, like this has all been achieved in the space of three years and he is in year three. I think what you probably heard from Liam Cahill with that rallying call is they are under a little bit of pressure and to go back to Brendan's point, they don't cope well with the favourites tag. And I think that is the one thing that maybe spooks him a small bit. But all things being equal, 
I think uh, I think Waterford should be winning this game by seven or eight. Yeah, Brendan. No, I, I'm not going to predict that Waterford uh, are in deep trouble if Rory O'Neill is saying well, that. Uh, one thing, and, yeah, but the one I, thing I tell you. Yeah, the one thing I would say. Oh, we're beating, but uh, but no, look. The one thing I would say is Stephen Bennett was flying during the league. I mean, he was banging goals in for fun, you know. His form hasn't has been a little patchy in the couple of games so far. You know, he's a big player for them when they're going really well, and you know, so like in terms because that's obviously a big problem area is the Cork full back line. Who does he even play full back? You'd imagine Sean O'Donoghue and um and and it'll be Sean O'Donoghue and probably Niall O'Leary will be the two cornerbacks. But like who's number three? You still don't know who's gonna like if they end up playing Mikey Kiley, he's a handful and a half. So look, I yeah, I just you just couldn't see Cork winning. Mm. But you just never know. You never know. Like <laughs> Brendan. they're funny, they're a funny bunch. Watford, they, they do need a statement win in this championship, don't they? They need to kind of announce their arrival in the Munster Championship uh, this weekend, don't they? Well, I think from the outside looking in, um, we'd all say, yeah, we want to see Watford beat somebody by 10 points and say that they're going to get on to Limerick and, uh, and be a real challenge throughout the summer. But I think from a Watford point of view, they're probably saying, let's just win this game by three or four points, whatever it is, get over the line, get on to Ennis, win that one beyond six points and see then and make sure we, we, we qualify. Because... I think it's it's often just, there's a separation obviously between what players and panels expectations are and supporters. I mean, we saw it below in Welsh Park when Tipperary went down to play Watford. They all thought it well. A lot of Watford supporters would have thought that it was a case of we'd be tipped by 15 points and expel a lot of the demons over the years. It never really turns out that way. So, I think part of the round robin in Munster no more than Leinster is you just win the match, the whole matches, sneak one away, get qualified, and then get into the serious business in Crow Park later in the year. And, and Liam Carr will be hoping that the, the, the next part of that journey will be on Sunday. Okay. Um, Marty, we'll get your prediction because I know you have to leave. How do you see this one going? Um, a Waterford victory, uh, to be honest with you. I think they're a fine team. Um, I think, again, the point I made earlier about Limerick, they, would, they have the talent on the, on the, on the bench. And we, we've seen that in other, in other games already. That when, when you look at your bench and you, you bring somebody on, uh, and they make an impact, and Waterford have it, which is probably my greatest concern about Clare, my own crowd, that we don't have that array of talent yet. We're coming, but not not to the level of Waterford. So Waterford, I think Waterford win by seven to ten points. Okay, thanks, Marty, and thank you for joining us, and we'll chat to you again soon. All right. Thank you. Best all of luck, right. guys, see and you I'll see you, Brendan, in Walsh Park on Sunday. Yep, you sure will. Correct, right. Uh, um, so. Um, to yourself, Brendan, what's your prediction on this one? Yeah, I think Watford already right, will will probably have uh, will have too much. Maybe I wouldn't say ten points now. Maybe five or six. Uh, I think will be in it. The fact that Welsh Park is a bit of a tighter venue will mean there won't be as many avenues for those uh, galloping horses you're talking about to run down the middle. Um, and I think if Watford, if Cork can set up with their half forward line playing closer <laughs> to their own goals than they have in the last couple of matches, it'll give them a better chance as well. Um, but I do expect Watford to, to have too much for Cork all right the weekend. Uh, Rory, you you you've kind of made your your own uh, your own case clear on that one. Yeah, like and and look, it's not necessarily wanting Cork to lose. Um, I just think sometimes you know when things are going badly, you're nearly near better off hitting rock bottom. There'll probably be a change in management. There'll be a few lads leave, and you just basically back to the drawing board, start afresh, and just go again. And let's look. There's raw materials there. The issue yeah. is, you know. 
is who ends up getting the top job. But I wouldn't yeah. be um, I wouldn't be getting any small violins out for us just just yet. No, I don't think anyone else in the country be getting out of small violins. No, they never do. Riders, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, and just a little fact check there. Brendan said the narrow confines of Walsh Park. Walsh Park, 142 meters long, 80 meters wide. So, so it is in it's fact, smaller. It's smaller. it is considerably smaller it's than smaller. Parky Cueve. So nobody getting up on their high horse. Parky Cueve is 144 long and 88 wide. Sorry, Brendan, we were talking about this on the football because sometimes people think a pitch is small and it's not. But you're right. You know it well. Welsh Park is yeah, quite a small pitch. Um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And, and look, the confines of the wall around as well. But either way, it just that's why Liam Cahill is screaming for people to come and to be roaring and, and, and balling because in a, it, it turns it into Galatasaray because everyone's so close to the pitch and that's what he wants to do, I'd say, down to create a frenzy and his players will respond to that. All right. Cue Kieran Kingston planting a cork flag in the middle of the pitch now, you know, a la Graeme Souness. Um, okay, finally, um, we'll have uh, just a quick chat around Dublin v Kilkenny, which is very interesting, Rory. Dublin win this yeah. and they're into a second uh, consecutive Leinster final. Unfortunately, they're coming up against a team who kind of burst their balloon in the league a couple of months ago. So it's a very interesting rematch. Well, if you think back when we did that podcast, Mikey, and in fairness to you, you were the one that said, no, Kilkenny are going to win when we were talking about that league game in Parnell Park. And we were kind of making out, you know, like Kilkenny were going really That's bad. That's just because I never bet against the Stockholm Syndrome, stripy cat but like they were I, going I just, in my they dreams. Were, they were going badly at the time. Um, you know, like they still had a few players to come back and obviously the Valley Hay lads were missing. Um, I know, and we've all seen the farm of own Cody since and the difference he's made to their forward line in particular but the um, but like we were all kind of saying look Dublin had kind of been going well they'd got a draw against Watford at home and they'd you know they'd won a couple of games and we were saying this is the time and sure, Kil- sure Kilkenny went in and bet them out their own gate really on the day and we kind of saw the arrival 223 to 16 yeah you know it gave them a right you know pulverizing so like are Dublin going to turn that around? I thought Dublin were n- near enough to full strength. You've a Dublin team, really, that's heavily dependent on one player. That's not a good thing in terms of oppositions when they set up. I mean, they'll obviously put their best man marker on Donald Burke, and then where do the scores come from a Dublin perspective? You'd just be a small bit worried on that front from there, from Dublin's point of view. But they're going, again, Parnell Park, which I love. I know some people don't like. I think it's a great, cosy wee ground, right? Um, I think I think there'll be a great atmosphere again. Um, the Kilkenny supporters probably will even travel because look, there's a fair bit on the line, um, and it's a brilliant place to watch a match because it's really you're right up close and personal with it on Saturday night. So it should be good. It should be good atmosphere. Um, and look, I think it's a great opportunity for Dublin, but I'm just not sure if it's one that they're going to be able to take. Yeah, how do you see it going, Brendan? Because I look at this through through a prism of Wexford, unfortunately, as I do most things in the Leinster Ireland Championship. And Dublin did a lot right against Wexford, obviously. And, you know, they, they have Donald Burke, one of the form, possibly the form forward in the championship. But Kilkenny, albeit losing the last day against Galway, they do seem to have kind of definitely found another gear since the league. The, the, the gear being the Ballyhale lads whether TJ misfired the last day or not, you just kind of feel that whatever about Galway, Pierce Stadium, the Shefflin factor, this is a game you kind of believe a Cody Kilkenny team go into thinking we should win this. Yeah, and I think they'll be tick out after what happened above in um, above Salt in Salt Hill. <laughs> and they'll be angry and they'll be sore. And um, I think that soreness, unfortunately, for Dublin will come out on Saturday night. Like the key above in Parnell Park is going to be win your own ball in the full forward line. Like Owen Cody, 
has been sensational when it comes um, to that video, right? you know saying I mean when a, when a Kilkenny halfback gets the ball in his own 45 he's putting it in the square and it was 2-1-2 two two inside as we saw above in Salt Hill when Galway didn't before Galway pulled back Mannion to stop that if Dublin lacked concentration at any stage I think that's happened a bit in the league with him um, Kilkenny's know-how and now Sinder will be enough to get him across the line and I think the fact that Kilkenny can get goals is going to be a huge part of this and Brian Cody will see it as a case of look it's now us against the world we're hard done by in the last three look at the talk about us over the last couple of weeks all that kind of stuff and they'll just fire him up to give him that X factor I think to push him across the line and of course Padraig Walsh is setting in lovely at centre forward he'll play nearly as a second centre back in Parnell Park going back to pitch and running the ball up the field and that will cause then I think to Dublin inside guy to have to come out to mark him so it drags him out of shape so I think overall I think Kilkenny will just have will just have too much, even though Dublin have doing, been going really, really well now. But I just think Kilkenny will just have that bit too much on Saturday night. Yeah, it, it, it's unfortunate. Like, Dublin fans must be wondering, you know, what they have to do, Rory. But it, it, a little bit like we've mentioned this in the past, the the fixture lists can be kind to you. And I guess for Dublin thus far, it has. They've had Leash and Westmeath and they've had Wexford, who seem to be potentially the weakest of the four, quote-unquote, big counties in Leinster. And now they're finishing up with you know a home game against Kilkenny and an away game to Galway so while they're one win away from a Leinster final you could also say that it's 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 quite a quite a quite a, so quite a big ask a, to get a, that win it's it's a sizable hurdle there too it's a sizable twin hurdle that they're going to mm. have to jump yeah I think they like I, like the, the 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 result against Wexford I think has put them into a very, very good position in terms of being able to um, certainly get out. I think the kind of key thing from Dublin's perspective was to be in the three and to get out of the group and see where that takes them. Um, I think, look, we've said this before. I do think the disparity between the two provinces is is just a little, a little off at the minute. So getting out, getting out of Leinster is the key thing from a Dublin perspective. I mean, it's is it year four for Matty Kenny? He probably, yes. yeah, yeah. I think he took over in 2018. He was in charge for the first year of the round robin. So look, I think there's, 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 there's a bit more at stake from their point of view. Their, their age profile, if you look at the sort of leaders within the team, the likes of Danny Sutcliffe's, Chris Crummies, um, you know, Owen O'Donnell. And you, you, there's, they're kind of at a right age now, all in around in their mid-20s, some maybe pushing the late-20s. I think it's time for Dublin. Like, I mean, they really, like, they need... This would be a massive fill-up, I think, for Dublin Hurling if they were able to get a win on Saturday night. Because um, it would probably... Look at, I, I, Darren, they've already announced themselves as a serious inter-county team. But, you know, I just the issue and the nagging issue is whenever we've built them up to go in against Kilkenny, They've just flattered to deceive a small bit. And I think we could possibly be looking at something similar on Saturday night, given I just, as Brendan mentioned, like I reckon Kilkenny will have that grip between the teeth, given what happened to them in Salt Hill and they'll be all guns blazing. Okay, I'm also, as usual, bar the very odd situation we're all back against Kilkenny. So I I also think they're going to win it. Um, Okay. One Uh, final point there, Mikey. Go for it. I mean, like just as a simple one. Um, it looks like Patrick Horgan is going to become the all-time. That's if he starts, by the way. <laughs> Probably get killed for that now as well. But he will become the all-time championship top scorer after this weekend. So significant achievement, I think, when you consider, you know, look, he'll be pushing himself up 
of the likes of the Henry Shefflins and the Joe Cannings and the Christy Rings and all of these types. It's, it's interesting that, that that has changed hands a couple of times in the last yeah. few years, hasn't yeah. it? <laughs> Having been in Christie's grip for a long time, yeah. 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 Um, it shows we are living in a in a in a good age uh, of forwards, obviously. Um, all right. Um, thanks to the lads, and thank you to Ushin earlier and to Marty who had to depart. Um, the two months of hurling games are on the TV this weekend, and as always, Saturday and Sunday sport on radio will keep you across the games, as will the RT website and the RT News app. Uh, the rugby and soccer podcasts are out there to listen to as well, or watch on YouTube if that's how what you fancy doing. So um, we'll be back on Monday to rake over the coals of the weekend. Uh, so until then, we'll chat. To you later. Thank you. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it! He hits it! Wow.